the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Joshua. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. What I always say to people whenever you read, you know, miracles like this or other things like, you know, Noah and the ark or Jonah getting swallowed by a big fish. And a lot of people go, come on, come on, come on. This is what I say to people. If you can accept Genesis 1-1, you can accept the rest of the Bible. If you stumble at Genesis 1-1, you're going to stumble at everything else in the Bible. So you got to settle that. If you believe in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, then nothing else is too difficult for God. God has been doing miracles from the very beginning, and He's still at work today. As Pastor Gary continues his teaching series through the book of Joshua, he'll be exhorting you to have faith in the work God is doing in and through you. Don't allow seeds of doubt to be sown that cause you to miss out on an opportunity to be used by the Lord. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Joshua, chapter 10, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Verse 4, Come up to me and help me that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. So here's the location of Gibeon, uh, just a little further uh, northwest of Jerusalem. And why is this king of Jerusalem so intent on waging war against the people of Gibeon? Because they have uh, made peace with Joshua and the children of Israel. Now, this will bring us up to speed. Back in chapter 9, if you remember from several weeks ago, since it's been a bit of a break here, um, The Gibeonites pretended to be people from a foreign land so that they wouldn't be destroyed. Now, you know, they they make an alliance with Joshua and the Israelites, but under false pretenses because they know that they're going to be killed. So they try to deceive Joshua and the Israelites by saying that they've come from a foreign distant land and there's no need to kill us. We come in peace and they put on tattered garments and worn out shoes and they carried moldy bread with them to give this appearance that they had come from a distant land so that Joshua then would be deceived as he was and he made a covenant with them that he would not destroy them, that he would not kill them, that he would not make war against them. Now, the Bible says that he didn't inquire of the Lord, but instead he sampled the provisions. It's always a mistake when, when we don't seek God through prayer and instead we rely on our physical senses 
And so he looked at the moldy bread and he, he could tell that they were wearing worn out clothes. And so he assumed that they actually had come from a distant land. They had just deceived Joshua. And instead of praying about it and getting God's counsel and wisdom, uh, he um, um, unfortunately relied on his senses and was deceived. Nevertheless, he made an oath. And he said to the Gibeonites, we won't destroy you. Later, he found out, oh, you're kind of neighbors of us. You're not really from a foreign land. But because he had made an oath, he was obligated to carry out his promise that he would not destroy them. He did relegate the Gibeonites to woodcutters and water carriers, but he spared their lives. So the king of Jerusalem, this pagan king, is recruiting four other kings because they want to make an example of the Gibeonites. They want to attack the people of Gibeon because they don't want any other cities in this area making alliance with the Israelites. So the king of Jerusalem thinks, we got to make examples of the Gibeonites. He recruits these four other kings in these other neighboring cities and says, we got to march up to the Gibeonites. Go with me. We're going to destroy them, and we'll make an example of them against all the other cities in our area here. Well, when all of this started to happen, look at verse 6. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So the Gibeonites send word to Joshua, who's encamped with the Israelites in Gilgal. Here on the map is Gilgal. It's just slightly west of the Jordan River. It's one of the first cities. It's kind of became the base camp for the Israelites in waging these different military campaigns. And it was the first place that they would settle on the western side of the Jordan River, and this is where they are encamped. So the Gibeonites send word to the Israelites who are camped at Gilgal, come up and help us. We're about ready to be attacked. We, they, you know, these different kings are, they're, they're surrounding us. We need your help. You, you guys made a covenant with us. I know it was kind of under false pretenses, but you're supposed to be our friends. Come fight for us. And so it says in verse seven, so Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them for I've delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. And Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly having marched all night from Gilgal. All right. The distance from Gilgal to Gibeon is roughly 20 miles. And he's going to bring the Israelite army at night, you know, under the cover of darkness. So it's going to be about a 12-hour march at night, 20 miles. They will ascend about 3,300 feet from Gilgal to Gibeon. And uh, you got to imagine, you know, after all-night marching, about 10, 12 hours to get there, uh, these guys are probably pretty spent, but nevertheless... Their ultimate strength is in the Lord, because the Lord says, Joshua, I don't want you to be afraid. I'm going to give you victory here. And having marched all night, it catches the king of Jerusalem and his four cohorts off guard. And, uh, and so it says in verse 10, and so the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Bethoron and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makedah. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Bethoron that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them 
as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Isn't that amazing? So those are some big hailstones. You think the ones that put dents in your car was bad? No, no, no. This is really going to leave a mark. Do you know what I'm saying to you? These people are dying from these hailstones. God is just pelting them with huge hailstones. I wonder what the army of Israel was thinking when they're like, you know, running after them and all of a sudden, like, whoa, this is pretty spectacular. You know, they didn't have to do a thing. More people died from the hailstones than died from the sword of the Israelites. Verse 12 says, and then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, this is a bold, a bold prayer, son, Stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Let me just finish reading here a little bit and I'll come back. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? Uh, so Joshua is referring to a book that we don't really know anything about. It is believed that the book of Jasher is basically a book of poems and songs that the Hebrews had recorded, but it's not anything in our Bibles. And so he refers to it, though. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. And then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Now, this is one of these miracles in the Bible that people can read and go, come on, come on. I mean, this, this defies nature. This defies science. And what I always say to people whenever you read, you know, miracles like this or other things like, you know, Noah and the ark or Jonah getting swallowed by a big fish. And a lot of people go, come on, come on, come on. This is what I say to people. If you can accept Genesis 1-1, you can accept the rest of the Bible. If you stumble at Genesis 1-1, you're going to stumble at everything else in the Bible. So you got to settle that. If you believe in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, then nothing else is too difficult for God. Okay? So if you don't have enough faith to believe Genesis 1-1, there's no, no doubt you're going to have trouble accepting these other things. What is happening here? Uh, Joshua asks God to prolong the day so he can finish off their enemies. That's what he's asking. And God heeds the voice of a man. This is what it says there that we just read. Uh, God answers Joshua's prayer here. Now, to say that the sun stands still implies that the sun normally moves, and we know the sun doesn't move. We know that the sun is stationary and that the earth rotates on its axis around the sun. So instantly some people go, see, this is a fable here because because this isn't even correct. We know scientifically now we're more educated to know the sun doesn't stand still because uh, the sun doesn't move anyway. So it's always been still. So for it to stand still, this shows the ignorance of the Bible and the ignorance of Christians. Okay, wait a minute. Let me ask you a question. Um, Did you refer to the sunrise this morning? Did you refer to the sunset? Do you ever talk like that? Of course. Meteorologists say that every day on the evening news. Sunrise, sunset. Well, the sun doesn't rise. The sun doesn't set. Why are you talking like that? That's contrary to science. 
because people talk like that because we communicate in terms of observa- ob- in terms of observation not in terms of like scientific you know accuracy per se as Joshua's writing these things he's writing in terms of observation the same way we say the sun rose and the sun set at a certain time. The sun doesn't rise and it doesn't set. The earth is rotating on its axis around the sun. But we talk about things like that out of observation. That's all that Joshua was saying here. He's making an observation that there was a prolonged day that occurred. By the way, historically, the ancient Egyptians, the ancient Babylonians, the ancient Greeks, Native American Indians... The um, uh, Incas, uh, even a Chinese emperor in the 1400s, all wrote historically about a long day. So it's known around the world that there was a long day that happened. The question becomes, how did this happen? By what process did God prolong this day? Well, some say it's a form of bending or the refraction of the light of the sun. Some say maybe there was a tilting of the earth's axis of rotation. Some say it was the slowing of the earth's rotation and that God simultaneously stopped the cataclysmic events that would normally happen. You know, you'd have tidal waves and you'd have the ocean sloshing around, you know, or some even say perhaps it was just God visited the planet in a way that his glory shone and illuminated the day and prolonged it. The answer is we don't know. But again, this is one of these miracles that we say, God created the heavens and the earth. God can prolong a day. I don't know how he did it, uh, but I just believe that he did. And as I said, a lot of ancient civilizations have recorded a long day that happened. So, uh, here we have it in the Bible. And, uh, and Joshua uh, was given favor here so that the Israelites could continue to defeat their enemies. What I love and what I want you to underline in there is what we read in verse 14. Now it says, And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. Underline this or highlight it in your Bibles. For the Lord fought for Israel. For the Lord fought for Israel. You know, the Lord loves to fight for us. Um, you, the battle you're facing or whatever you're going through, you're not going through it alone. It might feel like that, but the Lord is always fighting on our behalf. He's helping us. There's, there's a, a great reminder of this in the book of Exodus chapter 14. You remember when the Israelites were allowed to leave Egypt after 400 years of slavery. And it was all due to the fact that God had, had moved the heart of Pharaoh to, albeit reluctantly, let the Hebrew slaves go from a series of 10 plagues that God imposed upon the Egyptians. When the Israelites fled, the Bible says that they then came to the Red Sea and God was going to part the Red Sea for them, but they didn't know this yet. And so The Bible says in Exodus 14 that they have their backs against the Red Sea and the Egyptians had changed their minds. You know, Pharaoh realized, what have I done? I've let free slave labor leave my country. I better get them back. And so he goes marching after them, chariots and horses, trying to get back the Hebrew slaves. And the Israelites, in a panic, 
have their back against the Red Sea. They see the Egyptians coming against them, the Egyptian army. And Moses says something to them that is wonderfully encouraging. And here's what he says. It's out of Exodus 14, uh, verses 13 and 14. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And that's a wonderful passage, because then what God did was he parted the Red Sea. The Israelites marched across the Red Sea on dry ground. The Egyptians tried to follow them, and as soon as they did, then God closed the waters of the Red Sea. And then the Israelites, safely on the other side, standing on the bank of the, of the Red Sea, were able to watch the Egyptians and their little Egyptian helmets bobbing in the Red Sea. Okay? That's what God did for them. And God did that for them because the Israelites just trusted God. God's going to fight for us. The Israelites just trusted God. God is going to fight. He is, he's the one who can defend me. He's the one who can take care of me. And so it's a good reminder to us as, as we see here in Joshua that the Lord fought for them. Well, let's finish out the chapter. So verse, verse 16, but these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Machedah. You see five kings huddled in a cave. Like, what happened to their courage? What kind of a leader? What leader says, okay, fellas, you're on your own. We, we five kings, not three kings, that's another event. We five kings are going to go hide ourselves in a cave. And that's what they do. So there they are. And it was told to Joshua saying, the five kings have been found hidden in the cave at Machedah. And so Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. And then it happened while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter till they had finished that those who escaped entered fortified cities and all the people returned to their camp to Joshua at Mikidah in peace. And no one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Nobody, nobody said anything bad anymore. And then Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so and brought out those five kings to him from the cave. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And so it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said to them, do not be afraid nor be dismayed, be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees, and they were hanging on the trees until evening. And so it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden, and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain until this very day. And on that day Joshua took Machedah and struck it and its king with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them, all the people who were in it. He let none remain. He also did to the king of Machedah as he had done to the king of Jericho. 
And then Joshua passed from Machedah and all Israel with him to Libna, and they fought against Libna. And the Lord also delivered it and its king into the hand of Israel. He struck it and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword. He let none remain in it, but did to its king as he had done to the king of Jericho. And so we're going to see here that Israel is going to capture the heartland. Uh, the Israelites are going to capture the heartland of Israel. And, and they are systematically now uh, making their way uh, south uh, to capture the heartland. And he's going to go in the following verses we're about to read here. He's going to go back to the cities from which these five kings came. And he's going to attack them. And so keep reading verse 31. Then Joshua passed from Libna and all Israel with him to Lachish. See, here's one of these one of these cities. And they encamped against it and fought against it. And the Lord delivered Lachish into the hand of Israel, who took it on the second day and struck it and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, according to all that he had done to, to Libna. And then Horam, king of Gezer, came up to help Lachish. And Joshua struck him and his people until he left him none remaining. And from Lachish, Joshua passed to Eglon. Here's one of the other cities of the five kings. And all Israel with him, and they encamped against it and fought against it. He took it on that day and struck it with the edge of the sword. All the people who were in it, he utterly destroyed that day according to all that he had done to Lachish. And so Joshua went up from Eglon and all Israel with him to Hebron. There's one of the other cities. And they fought against it. And they took it and struck it with the edge of the sword, its king and all its cities, and all the people who were in it. He left none remaining, according to all that he had done to Eglon, but utterly destroyed it and all the people who were in it. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to Debir. And they fought against it, and he took it and its king and all its cities. They struck them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed all the people who were in it. He left none remaining as he had done in Hebron. So he did to Debir and its king, as he had done also to Libna and its king. And so Joshua conquered all the land, the mountain country and the south and the lowland and the wilderness slopes and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel had commanded. And Joshua conquered them from Kadesh Barnea as far as Gaza and all the country of Goshen, even as far as Gibeon, all these kings and their land Joshua took at one time because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. And then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. So they're going to continue to make conquest in the land that God had promised on oath to their forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But we have here this chapter where they take the heartland. They fight basically this defensive battle because the Gibeonites were attacked and because the Israelites had made a covenant with the Gibeonites, they go up and defend their new brothers in this military campaign. And on the way, they're going to take all these other cities. Now, eventually, Jerusalem will be taken permanently uh, by King David. Uh, but until then, uh, Joshua continues to fight. But more importantly, the Lord continues to fight for him and for the Israelites, just as he does for you and me. So sometimes a chapter like this is hard. You see a lot of slaughter. You see a lot of bloodshed. But again, it's a reminder that God is a God of justice. He's also a God of mercy. What we receive depends on whether we humble ourselves to him or not. 
And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that Jesus died on a cross for my sins so I can receive his mercy instead of his justice. Because if we got what we deserved, we would all be punished and experience an eternity in hell. But because of his grace and his mercy, we don't get what we deserve. We get abundant grace poured out for us. The forgiveness of sins, the eternal reward of heaven, all simply for surrendering to his lordship. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message in the book of Joshua again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Under the teachings option, you can download our mobile app to stay connected with God's Word everywhere you go. While you're there, you'll notice our companion resources. These digital study guides give you some additional insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done. They are completely free for you to use. If this ministry continues to be a blessing to you and you want to listen to more teachings, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify so you never miss another message. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry out of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you in person, so come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today, so put a marker in your Bible right there in Joshua, and we'll plan to study the Word again next time. Thanks so much for listening to Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.